we're talking all things e-commerce, um, trends, updates, what's going on in the world of e-com. And, you know, um, here with Cody Rich, the you run uh, Backcountry Fuel Box, and of course, of the Rich Outdoors podcast. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit more about both of those? Uh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm... Whew, let's go back here like 10 years kind of doing the e-commerce internet business thing like i'm the typical red four hour work week thought i was gonna like you know start a business and never have to work again uh turns out that's not entirely accurate but it's not completely far off either um so i started my first business kind of went through that one ups and downs started a podcast to figure out what was next uh the podcast really took off uh started my third business there's there's a few like other rabbit hole businesses in there, but I would say like third successful business uh, yeah. as Backcountry Fuel, which is a subscription box. And that's my current project that I'm working on. And, and the podcast is kind of always there, but it's it's a great networking tool. It's a great way to like meet people, interview people, keep up to date and all those things. Um, I also run a little group called Bozeman Entrepreneurs, uh, which is just an entrepreneurial group out of Bozeman, Montana, where I'm from. And, you know, we have everyone from small startups, e-commerce businesses, uh, all kinds of stuff, media companies, photography businesses, all those kinds of things. So um, I get to dabble in a little bit of all of it. And I try to stay up to speed on on kind of all types of businesses because that's what what's interesting yeah no i hear you so bozeman how's uh bozeman man los <laughs> angeles how's how's bozeman uh going during this whole uh um i know you and i have chatted back and forth about the housing market it's just like ridiculous i imagine bozeman's up there too with just craziness Dude, it's insane. Um, yeah, I always said like the internet makes the world flat, but I think COVID like put that into hyperspeed and like all these people like just realized, oh, I work on the internet. I could live anywhere. And, you know, like instantly, yeah. apparently Bozeman was on this flyer that went out to everyone in the world. And so uh, people are just moving here like crazy. We'll see if they make it a winter though. But uh, Bozeman's cool. It's got, uh, it's kind of got this like little startup vibe going on. You know, I feel like there's a lot of cities that are kind of like that nowadays. I mean, we walked like Silicon Valley, like was the hub, right? But now it's like Austin, it's, I don't know, Boulder was kind of one for quite a while. Um, so there's, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that kind of want to live in that mountain town and Bozeman's perfect for that. You know, the internet, despite, you know, popular belief, the internet is okay in, in Montana. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, I think it's uh, following this case of like that, that, uh, that show doc, uh, uh, Nomadland yeah. where um, it's, I think that there's trends here. And the reason I think there's trends, um, if we see how like generations before us sort of wanted to get out and move, um, I go back to, you know, I was having a conversation with my mom about her grandfather, who he moved all over the US, but that was the thing in the early 1900s, right? Especially after World War One, where mm -hmm. they, they were nomads for better lack of a word, right? And then that led into the Great Depression, which more people became nomadic because they had to move. They had to yeah. move for work. So, and then you 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 see that again in the '60s and '70s, right? And then you see this more stability of the suburbs in the '90s. Suburbs said suburbs. Suburbs. Um, in, in the '90s, um, and then I think sort of what this changing culture has led into is we're seeing this population dispersion, um, and so it's it's interesting to see that. I think you combine that with a shortage on 
everything, right? <laughs> yeah. From from uh, 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 you know labor to wood to, um, and this gets more on topic of like even looking at brands um, that are trying to work in this. I don't even want to call it the new normal. It's just a new era, right? Everything's changed. Right. COVID changed everything. And I don't think we're going back. We're ever going back <laughs> to where we were before. Like, no, totally. Happen. And well, I mean, like, this is the thing about business and you and I have this discussion before, but um, on the podcast, it's like, you know, you look at trends and trends are just like, it's ever changing and it's always going to change. And this is the thing, like there's a, there's a bunch of people getting into like entrepreneurship, if you will, like it's the cool thing to do right now. Um, and the thing is, it's like, I feel like trends have always been happening throughout time. I just feel like trends happen faster and faster in today's economy. Would you agree with that? Mm, yeah. For the most part, I think what happens is, um, People right now are in this state of, I don't want to say open-mindedness because that's not the right word because people are definitely not open, more open-minded right now, <laughs> but it's like people want something different. Yeah. Right? And so when these major influences come along, it's easy to hop on that bandwagon and, and go. Um, yeah. When you, even when you look at our generation, right, the millennials um, and the distribution of wealth across, across the board, right? Because people are living longer. So our parents you know, when they were our age, their, their folks didn't live as long. So they had a, a bigger concentration of wealth. So now we've sort of lost that, but we're trying to find our way within this new economy. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, it just, it's just like, it's funny. It's ever changing. Um, and we could dive in, we could dive into like micro changes. Like, I don't know exactly where you want to go with this, but um, what's your, what, what yeah, you, which so, direction? Well, uh, you know, for, for me and what I've been sort of reading into the past couple months, especially with population dispersion and um, looking at the average cost of returns across the board, right? It costs a brand on average 30% more than the cost of the sale to return an item because of population dispersion. They're not, people aren't clumped up in, in big groups anymore, right? So it's costing yeah. more to deal with returns. Um, that also leads into a much bigger conversation about Amazon because Amazon was the led us down this path where people, you know, people might overbuy and then return half of it. Right. Totally. And, we're see, and we're seeing that a lot more now where return rates are, are just spiking through the roof because, Hey, you know what? I know that either a, I can return it for free. Right. Or B they'll just say, Hey, you just hold on to it because <laughs> it's going to cost more for us to get that product back. Right. Totally. Dude, I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole we could dive into, like the whole Amazon culture of e-commerce, right? So like, I, I feel like this is kind of, it's a pendulum for sure. Um, but like Amazon comes along and you're like, holy hell, this is convenient, right? Like everything I want in one place, one click, I almost just think about it and it shows up at my door, which like made this culture of people that it's just like very habitual, right? Um, and for the most part, they became this like monster. It was like hard to own an e-commerce, you know? And I remember talking to buddies, this is like three or four, maybe five years ago, they were thinking about e-commerce. I'm like, man, how are you going to compete with Amazon? Like, this is like, you just can't do it, right? Like, it almost seemed like they were willing to just push everybody out, lose money on every single deal just to win. Uh, and, but then, you know, I do feel like we're starting to come back and we curious your thoughts on this, but I feel like we're starting to swing back where, you know, some of these niche products, like there's so much on Amazon 
and you're kind of getting sometimes the junk, right? People play the the reviews card uh, and they get their products up there. And, you know, even if it's like most of the best pick on Amazon or whatever, like it's still kind of sometimes a crap product. And so I feel like we're, we're pendulumly, pendulum, pendulum, the pendulum is swinging back the other way. And it's starting to be like, okay, you know, I'll go to these like niche e-commerce stores again. I mean, do you agree with that? Or is it like still Amazon's end all be all? I think what people are seeing is naturally they don't want to go to Amazon because they're, they're the, this giant corporate entity, right? They're the company man now. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knows that everyone's seen enough documentaries and heard enough in the news to know Amazon doesn't treat their employees. Well, like there's, there's a trade-off for this convenience, right? Yeah. It costs people something, right? Um, they continue to go to Amazon for the convenience, right? Because it's easy, but I don't necessarily agree that they go to Amazon for high ticket products. Right. A lot of brands we work with that do high ticket product products do well, and we never have to compete with Amazon because if you're going there for something, you, you want to know more and get more information and you can't really do that with Amazon. Um, cause it's, it's a giant marketplace. And on yeah. top of that, you want to, especially after this past year, you, you want to support, um, your local brands or the brands that, you know, as much as possible. Like, I think everyone's trying hard to do that. Um, so I think people are, are going a little bit out of their way to do that, but it always comes back on convenience. Amazon is so <laughs> flipping convenient. Dude, no. Okay, this could get an entire another entire entire conversation, but um I want to circle back to that the whole Amazon thing, but um one of the trends that you see and it goes into like what you're talking about, like people want to buy from the people they know, like and trust. That's always been a thing, right? Um and when people are watching, like we will maybe not shop at Amazon. We're like, oh, you know, like it's like cool to post like, oh, I bought from such and such who donates, you know, yeah. more and more. Um, and so like that has this vanity metric to it where people like will do the right thing if someone's watching, but then go order on Amazon when no one's oh, yeah. watching. <laughs> but one of the trends that I've been seeing, and I just had this conversation. So like shirts and hats brands, right? Uh, a lot of, a lot of people will get into the shirts and hats game and, uh, or clothing in general, right? So clothing, uh, let's say our generation grew up and you had like name brand stuff. One of the trends I'm seeing is a lot of these name brands branching off and creating very niche sub brands. So they're like, they make the best shorts for athletic women that are 25 to 35. Like that's what they, this brand specializes in. And I think what it boils down to is that people like, you know, when you find music, that's like this niche music, no one's ever heard of. And you get this little high. Cause like, you text it to your buddy. You're like, Oh, have you heard of this band? You're like, Ooh, I found that before anybody else. Right. Yeah. And that, now it's like the same thing with products, right? They're like, Oh, where'd you get those shorts? Oh, well I found them. You know, like it's this little brand no one's heard of. It's like becoming the cool thing. And it's not like, cool to wear adidas or reebok anymore or if it ever was but my point is is like you find these like little niche clothing companies and what i think you're seeing is like large brands a they're yes they're acquiring some of these like small uh pub style i always say that because the same thing happened in the beer industry right like mm-hmm. these it was it was cool to drink coors light or bush light and then all of a sudden it was like cool to drink craft beer and everyone was like 10 barrel or whatever the next like niche thing you're like oh yeah i went there but then the big brands are like, oh, we're losing market share. We'll just buy up these little pubs and yeah. use their brands, but still people went to them. So I think you're seeing that trend across e-commerce as a whole, but I would say you're especially seeing it in clothing brands and people creating like these small niche work brands, right? And this work brands attached to some bigger conglomerate, but it's like this like face for this particular demographic. 
No, yeah, for sure. And then on top of that, I mean, obviously I'm here in Portland, right? Like we started this years ago, right? This idea of like, look at how cool I am because of the brand I'm wearing or the non-brand. Yeah, it's the (laughs) non-brand. These pair of shorts were weaved together in someone's (laughs) back room, right? You know, it's like just weird stuff. But um, no, I think think that if, if we look at influencers in general, and how they've been able to push product. And now this new shift where influencers are now being able to white label their own products, right? Which I think in general, I I think at the end of the day, I'm talking like five, 10 years, this is bad for influencers, right? Just like you don't really go to that. Amazon for high-end products. It's the same thing yeah. because you're gonna be like, oh, I, you know, like, I'll buy it from them, but I know it's gonna be shit. Like I'm not gonna spend a lot. Right. I mean, people, people say that with, with Kylie Jenner's uh, makeup, they, they know that too. Right. And not only that, but they lie about the numbers and everything. So it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to sort of see this um, new sort of uh, form of, of social popularity. Right. Right. Well, Um, and as soon as like, you know, the Kylie Jenner's of the world to go and white label their own product, like it's not going to be long before influencer sales, like let's say take it from an affiliate perspective. Right. So, uh, well, first off, I think it was influencers just got paid to do posts. Well, then that's kind of stopped ROIing. And so like, oh, well, we'll give you affiliate deals. And then all of a sudden it was like affiliate deals, but then, you know, an influencer's next move was to go to like white labeled products. And just like you said, like, these are going to be garbage products. Like they're just there's not much brand in it. Like you're diluting personal brand to bolt on a cash product. And I think like you said that the long tail of that is that you have diluted brand through and through. I mean, that always happens. Like, yeah. you, like it's anything you're like building brand versus sales. Right. And you're like, Oh, let's, let's cut some corners so we can keep the lights on and keep the sales going. But at the end of the day, you're just cutting your brand in all future sales. And like, that's like building a, building a brand or product, building a company 101. And I think all these influencers are kind of getting to that point where it's like, oh, well, when the river stops flowing, they're going to scramble and try to earn cash however they can, which is going to hurt brand, which, you know, long-term hurts company or asset value. Well, I mean, we see it already with um, celebrities and their tequilas, right? Right. They all come from from one place. (laughs) There's one location makes all the tequila for all celebrities that they just slap their logo on. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting. And, um, I think, you know, adding into that, the ramifications of these new iOS changes, which I'm curious to hear sort of your feelings on that. Um, it's brand is going to become ever more important. Being able to prove ROI is, is going to be sort of a, a, a never ending pit of despair. Right. We've already right. started going, we've already started going through that this past month, past two months, uh, May and June both. Um, it's interesting to sort of see how things have shifted and sort of when we're talking to these brands, the, you know, we, we've been so lucky in being able to leverage Facebook's data. Yeah. Because Facebook has been number one across the board in advertising, um, leveraging their data to be able to really tack the individual. So we're saying, Hey, individual, we know you like XYZ products. We're going to continue to show you them. Whereas now, we can't do that anymore. It's we have to think of it as as larger cohorts and segments. And even on top of that, our tracking may be off, right? Because because Facebook is now even when they're 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 providing results, these results are based off of their own formulas. They're not necessarily tracking exactly per se. So then, as a brand, you have to literally take a step back, look at your overall MER, your marketing efficiency rating, and break down 
total revenue divided by total spend. What's our momentum been looking like for the past couple of years into now? But to have that conversation is very tough because everyone's been so used to like, hey, here's your ROAS, <laughs> here's your ROI right up in front. Here's, yeah. you know, here's how you make your decision. And that's, that's gone. And that's going to be gone for at least for the foreseeable future. No, this, this is to me, super fascinating. It goes back. I mean, to me, it was like, we had this window of, like you said, amazing metrics, uh, how amazing they really were is still up to for debate, um, how accurate they really were, but it, it created a different kind of marketer, right? Like, let's go back to Mad Men, you know, like uh, all these old school marketers, like a lot of that was off gut intuition, man. Like you're just like, mm, did that work? Did it not work? And like, we went into an era where like <clears throat> Facebook gave us ridiculous amounts of data. And I think there was a lot of false assumptions off of some of that data. And, you know, it also created, you know, so within the podcast world, it's like it created some weird things where it's like, if, if it, if you can't show ROI for every single thing, then, then it didn't work. Like what's the, we don't spend a dollar. Like that's not how it works. You can't just not spend any dollar that doesn't ROI because you may spend $10 over here that helps this $100 ROI, you know? And like, that's just like, there's so many more puzzle pieces to it than just looking at the Facebook metrics. Now, Facebook metrics are great. It was yeah. like one of the most amazing eras, right? But let's be honest, like it's probably going to go away. And then you just have to like to ask yourself like, okay, what did we do before Facebook? And maybe that's the thing though. Like when everyone's doing something, maybe it's time to look other places. Right. And you're already seeing people like, like the direct, direct mail marketing, um, how it's like resurging back. Right. And all these other things, um, email marketing has kind of got its own issues with like Gmail kind of being now being the new captor of that. But, but it just goes back to like understanding attention building brand. And I think the problem that Facebook created is that it focused too much on making sales and not on brand. And we had a lot of marketers that just went into like sales mode or ROI mode, you know, it was like, how could I make every dollar turn into two and not thinking about like, how do I build an awesome brand? At the end of the day, it's like, it was like STO, right? Like everyone back in the day, everyone's trying to game SEO, try to figure it out. Right. But it, it boiled down to like becoming, be, being a good company. That was it. And like creating good value providing value to your customer. And like, at the end of the day, that should be your basis for marketing. And it's super handy. Don't get me wrong. I have, you know, Facebook ads that you can tweak and, and play with them. And like, oh man, every, every dollar I spend, I make a dollar 25. That's handy. But you know, I think all of those things are like, they're not here forever. Like just take them when you get them and look for the next thing. Always be looking for like, where, where's attention moving to? Yeah. Well, and we, I think we could see that in the past too, right? And by the past, I mean like six months ago. <laughs> back in back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where we're seeing omni-channel was really making a resurgence in 2020, right? Where it was like we had to be um, on all channels all the time, everywhere, because that's where people were, right? Mm -hmm. But on, on top of that, you also had to have, you know, if you have your store, your store is, is locked down on, on par. You even have ads pushing people to your store as well as pushing to, to your e-commerce store. Um, and then obviously monitoring, monitoring inventory fluctuations. And then, uh, you know, 2020 totally crapped on that <laughs> inventory issues. Um, but to, to, to be able to, we, we looking at the numbers from when this omni-channel push really started to occur, we saw that, um, if you had campaigns on at least three or more platforms, you increased your purchase rate by 297%. So it's three X. So here's the problem. And here's the, where all the conversations with, with every brand would go. 
is it would go, well, hey, how do you prove ROI? Because we're pulling attribution from each one of these single channels, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, okay, well, here's, here's the rabbit hole we're about to go down. Um, we can either A, look at last click, first click, assorted click. We can you know look at W models, U models. We can look at like how, the weight of all of it. And we're really not going to know, right? At the end of the no. day, because let's say we did do that. We said, okay, we see that most of the last click attribution is going towards Google. We're going to spend more money on Google and less on everything else. And then your conversion rate drops and your purchases drop, like everything drops. You're like, why is that happening? We, we saw that this provided the best ROI. Why can't we scale this? And that was the issue. Well, now that leads into the, 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 the age in which we're at now where even with, within these platforms, you only track in seven day. Within mm-hmm. Google, even though Google Analytics and Google's claiming that, hey, our platform's not affected. It's like, okay, everyone's affected. Like, don't yeah. lie to me. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, we've had conversations with third-party analytics teams that like do this for a living and they knew this was coming like five years ago and still it's like, it's not accurate. Oh, really? And, and, and so you, ha- you have to go back to what, what, what would we have done 10 years ago? Right, right, exactly. We would look at total revenue that we got this month divided by all the money we spent on everything and that would be our MER or our new ROI. Right? Yeah. Well, do you think that like it moves? Do you think the the today's marketer moves uh, from? I would like you go back to like let's say like Mad Men was kind of like the old school, right? It was all gut, and then it became a very like uh, what's the baseball movie where they like the kids all about data. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, Moneyball. Moneyball. So it like becomes like Moneyball, where it's like the marketer, new age marketer is just like running all these numbers and he's gonna have the perfect answer. Do, do you think it's like somewhere in the middle going forward, or do you feel like it's gonna um, ebb or flow one way or the other? Well, I think for right now, from what, what we can see and sort of what's occurring for us performance agencies that rely on data, it, it's definitely hurt us. Um it's sort of the philosophical viewpoint. So each brand is different. Each brand has a different philosophical view on things. Um, if you're a brand selling $60 shirts and most people buy 80% of your buyers buy within the first 24 hours, you're not gonna have a problem at all. Like it's mm. not affecting anything. But say I'm selling furniture online. I have an e-commerce furniture store and the average uh, sales cycle is uh, 15 days, right? And the average yeah. sales price is a thousand bucks you're going to have major issues tracking where your ROI is coming from. You're going to have to spread the wealth and just live there. You have to live <laughs> with it, how it is. And that's, it's frustrating, right? Because we've been treated so well over the past five years and being like, Hey, I can run a business. If I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not only profitable, I'm making a little bit of money in my pocket if I'm three X and I can monitor everything. And now it's like, are you like, let's hope. <laughs> let's spend a bunch of money this month and hope that we're there. Um, but I think as far as like, we're, if you're going to look at um, those who are going to be the most successful, those brands, it's going to be those who have already been successful in the past with building brand and community. Totally. That's like number one. I think no matter what we've seen it, even during this whole analytical age, that was they still did better. If you could do that, if you can build a community around your brand, build some loyalty um, and, and, and really grow that way, it may be more difficult. It may cost more upfront, but that's going to increase longevity. That's going to increase growth substantially in the future. 
Yeah. Um, no, I a hundred percent agree. It, it goes back to, you know, SEO days where it was like, just do the right thing and, and you'll win, you know, and everyone was trying to game the system and it was like, okay, he who, you know, builds a good brand, builds a good community, does right by their customers is going to win. And, you know, I, there's always, there's always like people who win outside of that, you know, game the system or whatever. Um, but I think when it comes down to any of these things, you know, you look at like all these changes, Facebook algorithms, all these things. And it's like, the best thing you can do is try to build a great company, great brand, most importantly, great brand and build that community around that brand. And then it's like, okay, no matter what's going to happen, you, you have those customers to wave the storm or to weather the storm. And it's like, you're going to keep moving forward. Yeah, no. And, and that's, and that's really um, what's not continuing to crush it now, but it's going to continue to do better in the future because um, total spend and ads is going to be lower, right? And people are going to have to find other avenues. That's why we're seeing resurgence in direct mail. That's why our partners who do TV and radio are seeing a resurgence. It's like people go a little bit crazy. They knew the platforms were working for them. <laughs> now they don't know. So what do you do? You just go back to the last thing that you felt good about, right? So let's go. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, you didn't know if magazine ads were working. You didn't know if TV <laughs> ads were working, but like, I just don't know what Facebook's doing, which yeah. is, that's so comical to me. Do you think that like, okay, let's just take like my brand. If we're spending uh, three to $5,000 a month in advertising and we're like, now we just don't have very good data, like, or we're seeing worse data, but obviously those points could be skewed. Do you think we like, do we cut some of that revenue or cut some of that spend, I should say, or do we just keep it the same and be like, ah, I hope it works as good as it used to. So the tests that we're running now that we've been running from May into June, um, because it's been chaotic, right? With the iOS 14.5 and then the latest 14.6 update on June 3rd. Um, the, la the last update has pushed adoption rates up to 70% now. So as of today, which is June 21st, um, adoption rates are around 70, 75%. So that's people who have opted into the latest update and whether they're allowing or not disallowing um, tracking. That's impressive. But I didn't think it would go yeah. that fast. No, I, 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 thought, I thought we wouldn't really know for sure until September when they launched the, the latest Apple iPhone or whatever. Um, but... What that means is that's good. That's good for us. That means that we have an increased stability, right? Especially when we get to that 80 to 90% range mm -hmm. where then those algorithms out there, Snapchats, TikToks, Facebooks, all these algorithms can make adjustments based off of the new data. And then that we can run our tests and then learn what will now be best practices. I have, I have about 120 SOPs in a Google Drive <laughs> that I could probably just delete, right? <laughs> because because things have changed and that's fine. Um, it's chaotic, but it's sort of like where we need to push. So the tests that we're running with brands are as we're monitoring, we've been monitoring MER for the past year, past year and a half, really, because we knew this was coming. Um, and so we're tracking fluctuations in momentum in MER based on seasonality. It's kind of tough with 2020 because seasonality was thrown out the window. Purchase totally. behaviors were thrown out the window. Hey, today people are where they're buying hand sanitizer and toilet paper and the next day they're not, they don't care about that anymore. Um, yeah. we're, we were selling uh, swimsuits in the middle of this ice storm in February, right? Like, <laughs> like it just doesn't make any sense. So, so yeah, it's just working through the rest of this year, trying to, to, to maintain some stability, right? Especially as a company that does media buying, that's really consistency is, is always greatest. Otherwise you become a bipolar marketer, right? 
right you think you're you're the greatest and the next day you're like (laughs) i need to look for a new job oh man that's so accurate yeah it's sort of the nature of it um but that said i think we don't really know for sure what ios will do to us as advertisers i think in general i like the idea of not having everyone track me but i also know it's bullshit (laughs) yeah well it's just like they're tracking you but not giving you the data (laughs) That's what, so Apple's like, oh, we'll take, you know, data is worth more than, than oil. Uh, we're going to be in control of the entire pipeline. Yeah. Right. And then exactly Google, it. Google saw them do this. And even though at first they were arguing with them about it, saying, Apple, how could you do this? Now they're like, you know what? Yeah. And, you know, privacy is huge for us. So we're going to go ahead and release something similar for Android <laughs> devices. And it's like, yeah, okay. I see, I see where this is going. Um, and then Apple's already pushing out these new beta testing, these new search ads for Safari. And uh, yeah. Dude, like, that's okay. interesting. I know, you know, you know where they're going. They're oh, exactly where it's going. They're trying to compete in the ad world. I mean, they, ha- they hold all the data. So it'll be interesting to see if they try to take over and make some sort of platform their own. I just don't see that happening. What I do see happening is how can they use the data or sell it themselves? Yeah. So in your, I guess one thing um, in your, I'm just totally hijacking your podcast, by the way. Um, in your opinion, like what's, what's the greatest like hack right now? The greatest hack? Yeah. Marketing hack. Um, I don't think there's any hack. I think <laughs> naturally, if you want to see who's, who's being successful and what, it, what, how success is determined is basically if you, for the past year, this is sort of what it's been like, if you're doing okay, you're doing great. If you're not doing okay, it's time to do a major pivot. That's not going to work. If it has, if you've been holding on like to brands that we talked to last summer that we're still holding on, even into the fall Q4 that didn't do well, still holding on today, like you just cut the cord. Cause it's not going to work. The problem is, is these, this, this app tracking transparency um, change is really going to affect small businesses. Um, even, you know, maybe not so much your local guys, but your small brands and startups, it's going to absolutely kill them. So you have to do the hard thing, which is you have to focus on brand and community when it's not ROI positive, right? Totally. You just well, it's have like- to keep doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah. But the problem with that is like, you're always in this, like as an entrepreneur and a small startup, you're always on this balance, balancing beam of keeping the, the lights on and building this great brand, right? Like the more money you spend on building this great brand, the more you run out and you're like, Shh, how do I pay employees? How do I pay rent? How do I pay all these things? And like, but if you just focus on paying the rent, you're never going to have a great brand. Cause it's like, man, it's just this pendulum. And we always, yeah. like as entrepreneurs, we just like run back and forth. Like, Oh, we need to build brand. You're like, gosh, we're out of money. <laughs> like go, yeah. gotta pay bills. <laughs> yeah. No. And, 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 um, you know, and I, and I think most entrepreneurs, business owners, people who have been building companies for a while sort of uh, feel along these lines too, is, is you get to a certain level where you're just comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. right and you know even if your back's against the wall you'll figure it out right totally the, tri- the trick is is you do have to know when to pivot you totally know? 
like oh, man. because you could get caught you could get caught in the rapids and the waves and just get you know, you know you're at the scene you're like look back three three to six months you're like ah, i knew where i should have pivoted and i didn't do it i gotta do it now oh well let's just do it and yeah move. yeah because the worst thing that can happen is you sink the ship and then you have no ship to turn around you know like like that happens to a lot of people you know they they just they run so hard this you know take a widget or something and, and they just like want to force it like it's got to be good got to be good and then they pile up this giant debt trying to make this widget work and then it's like mm-hmm. it was never going to work and now you know they're two hundred thousand dollars in debt like good luck with the next idea yeah well and I'm, and I'm curious from your end um what hacks or what big things have you seen that like if you could go back talk to yourself a year ago what, what would you say man that's a great 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 question uh, on the pivoting thing like we're always on that like there's a couple of things we're trying to pivot and trying to move i would say you know the one thing that i kick myself for not really pushing and this is even a year ago this is like for two or three years i've been like man we need to grow our email list we need to grow our email list and it's like we do and it grows but like we don't have that dedicated focus to it that like we probably should have had And, you know, if I could go back like two years ago and be like, Hey dummy, the thing that you think is important is important. Do it. You know, like that's like just, just having a powerful email list. And there's huge problems with that as well. You know, with Gmail kind of cracking down and owning email lists, but at the same time, like that's such a great asset. And, you know, anybody who wasn't building it pre, you know, the Facebook changes is like, Hmm, wish I had a hundred thousand people on my email list right now that, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, when you get in trouble, like there's nothing better than a hundred thousand people on an email list to save you and just be like, man, we're in trouble. Like I, I gotta, I make a big ask and you can do it. And that's like amazing. I'm like, that's a huge asset. You can't just like, I don't care how big of a Facebook group you have. You can't just go, Oh man, we're in trouble. Like we need to get a hundred thousand dollars in sales tomorrow. Like, Facebook group is probably not going to do it. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it's, it's, um, you know, looking at lists and retention, especially now. Um, and, and we were, I mean, we were talking about this back in December to January, how these new iOS changes. And on top of that, Facebook's changes, basically you have to, as the brand, you have to be in control of your own first party data. Right. Yeah. Um, no totally. longer can you just rely, say Facebook, Hey, here's my audience. Um, find other people like them. Right. It's just not accurate anymore. Yeah, um, totally. So, and so even with the shifts that we're doing, it's, we're not even talk, half the time we're testing lookalikes, but interest groups are doing better now, which is insane to me, right? They haven't been <laughs> better in three years, um, but they are now just because we're able to segment more and be able to touch them. Um, that's why it's but, yeah. important to have, be a little bit of everywhere because like at the end of the day, like you, you get these massive pivots, man. And all of a sudden, like you need a different audience that, that works better or, you know, you know, just being able to have a little bit everywhere uh, is it's hard. I get it. It's like an entrepreneur is like, I am super limited on time. I can't do everything. We don't have the bandwidth to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to pick and choose a few of them, but like being all in on one platform is a slippery slope. I mean, how many entrepreneurs like, yeah, we're all in on Facebook, <laughs> Facebook changed some stuff or built their company on the back of Facebook. And then that got shut down. It's like, oh, so like, you, you know, you always had to have 
I don't want to say an exit strategy, but a pivot strategy for sure. Um, and that comes to audiences too, man, like having a good email list, having, um, you know, multiple social followings. And even like if you had a direct mail list or ha- have a community in a minimum that you're like, okay, we can reach back out for return customers. Like that's powerful because at the end of the day, if, you know, all social puts the lock on the gate and you can't get to your own audience, at least you have other revenues. Yeah. Well, and retention is huge. And I think a lot of startups make, um, you know, make that mistake is, is just solely focused on acquisition, which is good, but they forget about retention, right? And totally. retention is its own art. It's its own science. It's like its own way of working and doing things. And, um, you know, talking about this, talking on this note of, of community and brand loyalty and um, retention, you know, as we're in June now moving into July, so we're halfway through this year, um, thank God, right? We're going to 20, <laughs> 2022 soon. Um, and we're like passing through the summer. So it's like strategies for summer. Like if you don't already have them in place, it's like, good luck. But looking at Q4 this year, do you see any major e-commerce trends or shifts occurring or, or, or any cool plans that you guys have? Um, I'll cover both of those. It's just, it's interesting to say like, uh, tr- like, what do you foresee? And it's like, after 20, 2020 and 2021, you're like, ah, I gave up foreseeing a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, so we run this like snack box. It's for people in the outdoors, which is great because there's so many people that are getting into the outdoors. Outdoors is a big market push. If you want to talk about trends, like people getting in the outdoors is actually a big trend right now. Um, and a lot of those things, interestingly enough, we're actually, this could be a completely bad idea, but like, I want to push towards actually hitting some of our, uh, corporate. So doing some more B2B. So we're direct basically B2C and we could add a B2B line by doing like what we're going to call office fuel. And it's like basically snacks for the office, which seems super counterintuitive because, you know, everyone's not in the office. I see a trend of people going back to the office and you're seeing it around town already. Like people are like, uh, yeah, working from home was good, but like, let's, let's get back to, to some version of regimented life. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of people that are kind of like just over the work from home thing. Um, and so I, I'm hoping that there's a trend moving back towards offices as 2020 goes through. Um, and so that's like, we're probably going to add the office. It could be a totally bad idea. I don't know. Got intuition right there. <laughs> well, no, I, I think that there will be a trend. It'll, it'll probably start off with being forced and they'll, probably, <laughs> right. they'll try to, they'll try to be like, no, I mean, you can come in if you want, but you need to come in. Um, <laughs> but really, but really like this is come in. <laughs> now my personal, like my personal feelings on it is, you know, um, we, for our office space, it's convenient to go to um, because I can leave work there. Mm. Right. Um, totally. Whereas, whereas when I come home and it's where I'm at now, it's like work is at my home and my home is my work and I can't leave it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just nagging me. You're making dinner and you're like, ah, I forgot. I got to send this email. You know, it's like, it's yeah. going, it's just constantly totally. going. And after a year and a half of that, you're like, eats away at your soul a little bit. And you're just like tired. You're like, I work more now than I ever have. And I don't even really do much. I just hop on a computer. And I just, my existence is on this little machine. Um, totally. But I totally. Some so people, I, some people I like think you're going to see it. I, I, I think you're going to see both, but I do think you're going to see a lot more people return to the office. Like just, you know, getting out of the house. Like as much as we're like, oh man, working from home is awesome. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people in the world that do better in a group dynamic and function better in the, like the one, one, one plus one equals three of like being, having a team there. 
So we'll see. I don't know. I think you're yeah. going to see it, it flow back the other way. I think, I think by September, when kids go back to school, we're definitely going to know how people feel about whether right. or not they should go back to the office or stay at home. Um, so Dude, I, I also think like, there's a little bit of, you know, when you say you're working from home and I don't think this has happened yet, but you're now saying like you're competing for your job against someone in, in India or across the world anywhere. Um, because what you're, you know, like if say I employ someone who's remote, like, I don't, care if they live in Idaho or if they live in Tel Aviv, like I, it, what's the difference, right. Um, other than the time, the time frame. So now like you're competing against someone who makes half as much as you do. That's a slippery slope, you know? So like making yourself a useful asset as an employee, you know, like <laughs> e-commerce podcast, I don't know how many people are actually employed, <laughs> but, uh, but like you're, you're competing against other people. And I think about that too, is like, you have employees, like do I want the employee that's, yeah, they're on a different, they work nights while I work days. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not, but at the same time, it's like a third of the price. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so what are we competing on here? Well, I think, I think we'll definitely see that for menial jobs, mm -hmm. um, sort of how, like for certain things that we do, it's very, um, uh, you, you know, uh, manufacturing line, right. It's like yeah. one, two, three, four, five, repeat over, mm -hmm. over and over again. Um, those jobs that require a little more creativity, a little more thought process and critical thinking obviously won't, but you'll see, I think, you know, more specifically with, you know, able to, to shift out remote jobs that was already sort of started that way. Um, and now, even now, like, um, you know, we, we have some VAs in the Philippines and, and some in Venezuela and like half of them are better at me better than me at, at, at a lot of things like it's like man you know it's amazing so um the talent pool is getting bigger too and i think um you mix that in with automation right especially in the service industry yeah it's it's you're gonna have a huge shift you know technology displaces workers that's the nature of it so i think you know this whole dynamic of what we're going through now with the shortage of of labor shortage and and shortage of everything across the board will definitely, it'll be like a, like you're talking about the pendulum, right? Yeah. It'll, just, it'll swing back to the other, other side. But um, anyway, so, Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, um, man. Thanks for having and, me. And having a great conversation here. So where can everyone connect with you online? Yeah. Um, you guys can follow my podcast, the rich outdoors. Uh, we talk about adventure, hunting, outdoors, uh, entrepreneurship. Um, I do a lot with the outdoor community, outdoor recreation, uh, entrepreneurship, talk business in that, in that sense. So if you guys are interested in that, go check it out. Um, yeah, that's, and pretty much the rich outdoors anywhere you look. Awesome, man. Hey, it was great talking cool. to you and we'll chat later. Thanks, Peace. man.